0: Hey, thanks for listening to week two of the Affinitas series. In this recording, there is some poor audio quality. I apologize for that. We will get that figured out and uh, be back to better recording quality for week three. Enjoy.
1: Okay, got it. Ready?
0: You're
2: listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore.
0: It is nice to see everyone again. How's your day been? Yeah. Mine's been about meh. So if we can, like we did last time, I'd like to see if we can move into a and to kind of prepare our hearts so that we can gain the most from the evening. Would that be all right? Anyone remember the synonym we used for that? PBR, that's right. It does not stand for what it could stand for. So, if you would mind, everyone just close your eyes again really quick. I want you to take a deep breath with me. Again, I want you to picture the doorway that you walked into. There's kind of this force field. There's kind of this net that all of the things that you are carrying, all of the burdens, all of the things that occupy your mind, that you are worried about, that you need to try to fix, All of those things get to be on hold for the next hour and a half because nothing can actually be fixed in the next hour and a half. So you have a few minutes of freedom. You have a few minutes to take a break. Become present in the room here. Listen to the noises. Hear the sounds around you, feel the people around you, feel the temperature on your skin. And take another deep breath for me, and just let yourself be here. Pay attention to what your body is feeling, any place that you feel tension, any place that you feel any sort of weight, just become aware of it. Again, you don't have to do anything with it. I'd like you just to become aware of it. And then finally, you can take your hands hand and then place them palm up. I, I don't know your individual stories. I do not know what, but the good news is, is I don't have to know those things because I believe that we have a Creator. I believe that we have a God, God who knows you better than you know yourself. He still loves you and accepts you. And so, whatever the one thing that you might need, I want you to just become receptive to that. Become open to receiving what that is. Lots of information tonight. Find the one thing that you might need. Let your body stay in that position. Let the relaxation and the breathing be there. And all I want you to do is simply open your eyes. Take a look around again. This, this is a sacred place. We get to talk about important things. Nowhere else in Portland is this, is this happening right now. It's a unique place. It's an honor. It, it is an honor to sit with you folks again. There is wisdom people that is out there right now. Sometimes I wish I could just hand over the microphone and say, teach me something. Tell me your story. Maybe next time. Okay, we'll do that next time. Welcome to Afinitas, right? Remember, if you say it, you have to do this. Okay, everyone with me? Afinitas. Afinitas. That's nice. And you got to get the tas And If you don't do the tas, then it just doesn't work. Afinitas means what? Awesome. I'm going to have to rename the group. Let's try that again. Affinitas is Latin for relationship. And we get the word, what other word do we get from affinitas? Affinity. Affinity, or being drawn towards something. And again, the premise is most people tolerate relationships. They don't actually look forward to them. They just endure them. And we are not built for that. We are built for something much, much better. Would you agree? Would you like to learn how to love relationships? Would you like to learn how to look forward to them? Learn how to cultivate them? Learn how to grow them? Like little tiny plants in the little Dixie Cups when you were in about three years old in preschool and you little grows in a, you know. Am I the only guy who did that? Okay. That's what we're talking about, but bigger, okay. So, last week, um, remind Join me, somebody.
3: First steps. five steps.
0: Codependency, and then five out of ten rules of what? Healthy relationships. Healthy relationships. All right. <laughs> I am going to try to set a new world record because we've got a ton Tone of stuff that we've we got to get through. And I'm going to try to wrap up the last five, and then we're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about parenting, kids, and kind of family. Would it be fair to say that family relationships can sometimes be, what's the nice word I should use? Challenging? All right. We could use a whole bunch of other words, but we're going to today. And we will challenging. What was the first rule? Does anyone have their notes? I'm going to pull up something real fast here so we can actually open this up and see what happens. There it goes. A little load's in. What was the first one? Yell it out, there. You can't make anybody do anything. That's weird, okay. Come on, Calvin and Hobbes. Let's see what happens. And then it's somewhere right in here, isn't it? Whoa. come on. There it goes. You can't make anyone do anything, right? Was that good news or bad news? What? good news. It's good news. Takes the pressure off, right? Okay, you can just take a deep sigh. I don't have to actually make you do anything. Now, you can ask, you can encourage, but you can't force. So, pressure's off there. And then we go to, whoa, that's not where we go to. Sorry guys, we're gonna go back to here. And we go to number two. How you do things is just as important as what you do. What was the story? Vacation to the coast, exactly. Disneyland. (sighs) Disneyland. Nope, that was a different one. This was the trip trip to the coast. we got lots of trips going on. Things that's just as important as what you do, the attitude. Again, this is the concept of what a spiritual person looks like. A spiritual person is aware that there's more than just the tangible things. How you make people feel, how you make people experience things, that's the good stuff, right? And that's what church, that's what scripture talks about maybe a plumber or a lawyer, whatever that is, says, do it with love, love, do it with integrity, do it with kindness, kindness. do it with compassion. All right. Three was be willing to state your thoughts and feelings things. kindly and directly. Okay, four. Um, let others experience the consequences of their choices. That one was a little bit of a sticking, sticking point last week, remember? That one hurts a little bit. Because we don't like to let that happen, especially if their consequences affect us, right? And so where those lines are. That was a little bit tricky.: We're going to let others experience the consequences of their choices.: And sometimes that's the most loving thing to do. Did you know that?: Talk more about that tonight. Five. Don't work harder than the other person. Yes. It's their job, all right. You guys ready for number six? We're gonna jump in here. Here we go. Number six is act Act within your own integrity. If I had to pick out of the top ten, if you do this one right here, you will cover a majority of them. When you act within your own integrity, this actually comes out of um scripture, Luke 6. Here's what Luke 6 says if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Big deal. That's actually in Scripture. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. But love your enemies and do good to them. When somebody does something wrong to you, do the right thing back to them. One thing, if you do that one thing, everything else is covered. Now, would that be easy? <laughs> That's probably one of the hardest things in the world to do because when we get wronged, we want to make sure that they know how wrong they are. And we compromise our own integrity and we actually end up behaving badly. Fair enough? On our good bad days, right? On our good days we're able to kindly and compassionately well. This is hard. This will change every relationship. You can imagine your marriage and your wife, my wife. Let's talk about my wife. That'll just be easier. If, um, if my wife rarely does something to hurt me, but when she does, if I say, you deserve, deserve to be treated with love and respect from imagine, you, imagine how that changes everything. Doesn't it? that sometimes that would just be profound stuff. someone else's because if they compromise their integrity that's unfortunate but you have your own so that's number six, six. alright number seven there's one alright stop making covert contracts if I don't have this can you guys hear me Oh, hallelujah! That's gone. Okay, now we can get down to business. Stop making covert contracts. Anyone? I have an idea what a covert contract is. Wonderful! Very good. Yes. Um, They can all kind of up like this. You go up to. This is my daughter. Here you go to my. my, I go up to my daughter. None of you do, and say. Kiddo, I love you. (laughs) I really love you. What am I looking for? I love you too. I'm looking for the feedback. So right there, I've entered a covert contract which says I'm going to do something and I have an expectation that you're going to respond in a certain way. Now, I'm I'm not going to tell you what behavior is. I'm not going to tell you what that is, but if you do not respond in the way that I expect... You have now somehow slighted me or wronged me. And I will stop at you. Wonderful relationship style right there, isn't that? That's awesome. Time, all the time, all the time. Stop making... Stop it. Don't do it. Um, Luke 6 again. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. There, just a few... We just read before. Um. Rooted. Covert contracts. This is actually rooted in fear for people who are codependent. It is they are terrified to just simply ask for what they need. They're going, if I ask for what I need, I might end up being selfish. I might end up being wrong. Even worse, I might end up being discounted or ignored or invalidated. And so it's like I can't directly ask for what I want. I'm going to try to sneak my way and and manipulate getting something that I want. And again, it can become nasty and toxic to a relationship. So don't do covert contracts anymore. Questions or thoughts? Tonight, we're just going to... Okay. For number six... Yes. Yes. In doing the right thing and not engaging in that at all, is that to, to stop doing the right thing? So if someone's provoking you to, to get you to misbehave m- for a bad response? Like poking, dig, digging at you in a way right. when um, the, someone that I'm thinking of is very involved in my life, Right. right? A little bit of a glitch. Okay. Okay. The right thing depends because at some times action is the best thing to do okay. depend, given the circumstances and sometimes letting one me. is the best thing to do as well. So I, I can't uh, answer your question specifically. About it. Like for instance, um, I have my nieces in my care and okay. this is their dad okay. who and I are now in a custody. Okay. Revoke you to do what?
2: To retaliate towards them or to get frustrated or to get me going in some
0: way. Sometimes not taking the bait is really wise. Okay. Yeah. We, we could talk about um, it and I'm hesitant to keep things, but in life, oftentimes... Lots of hooks with really sweet bait. And it's really wise for us to to learn how to because they look attractive in the moment, but they end up not working out so well for us. We end up on someone's plate for dinner, okay? So Um, learning how to avoid fish hooks um, is a very smart strategy on negotiating some of those.
1: Stop making covert contracts. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I'm dealing with my father who's very ill. He suffers from severe PTSD. And okay. He's trying to get him help through the VA
0: and yep. things.
1: And part of that has been dealing with um, his emotional outlooks on life. Yes. Like he's very abusive, and dealing with him is a very difficult thing. And I'm, as I try to work with him and try to help him, Um, I've noticed that I sometimes fall into these conditional, you know, covert contracts with them because it's the only way to seemingly get them to do anything. Yeah. And I guess it's struggling for me because I want to know, you know, when someone won't return love and won't return these sorts of things and does invalidate you and and these sorts of things. Yeah. um, You know, you were saying that, you know, out of fear we oftentimes fall into these... um, covert contracts out of fear of those things happening. Yeah. And, you know, what advice could you give for someone who actually receives that invalidation and then starts to fall into that?
0: (laughs) 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 News for you, ladies and gentlemen, but I don't. And sometimes we don't get this poorly. Try to bait us. And sometimes people are just clueless and hurtful. We can spend our life trying to change everyone around us. Go back to rule number one, okay? Or we can say, I understand, I understand that I'm going to get hurt. And it's appropriate to start to thicken my skin, skin to build resiliency, resiliency. to to bear the pain people when you do that, not only do you help yourself move through a lot of that stuff, but you possibly offer those people a Because my guess is if they're a lot of other people and other people respond in the normal way that relationships Tax and manipulation all you have just hurt me and I'm not and I don't but you don't oh and by the way that is just too hard it's too painful and you realize you have been treated that way and because I've been treated that way it's now much much easier to offer that to you because I know what it feels like to receive that, I am of that, and because I've received that, to just dispense it on to yeah. So, build resiliency. So it's not okay to decide not to have a relationship with someone because they're toxic to you. No, toxic. I didn't say that. <laughs> I Didn't say that. Sometimes that's the best way to build resiliency. Is to say you can live in another zip code, and I'm going to stay here, away from a distance. This does not, this does not um, say that you have to always be in relationship with hurtful people. Um, I'm going to put that over here. Come back to that question. okay? You asked the right question at just not quite the right time. Okay? He, he did better. Okay. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: all right, we're going to always make decisions based upon people's actions, words, UCLA study. 38% of all meaning comes from our voice quality, 55 comes from the nonverbal body language, And 7% comes from the actual words, the actual words that we choose to say. So if one says, I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you say those numbers, again? Sure, absolutely. Um, 38 for voice quality, 55 for nonverbal, body posture, language, all those things, and 7% words. 93.7, okay? That's the radio station. Make your decisions based upon 93 percent, not 7 percent. That makes sense. Yep. If you do that, um, your world tends to work a little bit better. Now, again, that's hard. It truly is, especially when people are really, really good. Going back to um, again, the couple that sat in my office, and the husband sits there. You know, he is as tight, as crossed off, as you know, kind of sitting like this. And he says, I'm listening. Okay. And then defends himself because he says, you know, the 7% of the words I said says, I'm listening, why aren't you buying it? And, and actually spends the whole session trying to convince me, trying to convince his wife that he is actually listening. And kindly trying to say, Yeah, I'm getting two, two different messages here, buddy. Um, real person, please stand up here this is going to save you a ton of heartache right here. This is graduate level relationship stuff by the way. This is tough, but it works so well, so so very well. Now again, you run the risk of calling people a liar. Okay? If they say something and you say, "I'm not buying it because, you know, 93% of you are saying something different," they're going to say, you know, Why are you calling me a liar? All that stuff. So, how you say things is just as important as what you say. That should be a rule somewhere, right? How you say things is just as important as what you say. 93.7. Yes. What is the reverse true? What if they say hurtful things, but they do nice things? Oh, then you're okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, the 7% is still important. Okay? It is still important. We want to have congruence. My definition of peace is when the inside and the outside line up. So when their behaviors and their words line up, I have an easier chance of trusting them. If those things don't line up, then I need to learn how to trust myself and listen to those little warning signs that are going off. Okay? Yeah, you're not going to get invited to a lot of parties if you do that. Okay, um, again, how you do that is much more important than than what you do on this. Um, yeah. Right. Right. I always wish yeah. hindsight but I wish I could have said you're not really fine we could talk all rule of thumb is it's safer to bring this up with people you already you have an established relationship with and you have some emotional equity built in. into that relationship I probably wouldn't do it with strangers, with customers. Um, I'm not sure that you do it with anyone in here. Don't look at the guy right now. Okay, that will get you punched. Don't do that. But when but but the important relationships in your life, this is very very, very important. And, and I could probably ask for hands, which I'm not going to. How many times this has bit you in the butt? Because, because someone tells you over and over and over one thing, their behavior is doing something else, and you are now tired, frustrated, and just spent three years going, "What have I just got?" Right? And if you would have applied this in the first three months, things might have been different. Okay? So, not looking for hands, but. Number nine, always make decisions based upon other people's actions, not words. Finally, number 10, please. Oh, by the way, we can recognize 250,000 different facial expressions. expressions. We are amazing creatures. Amazing. Number 10, treat yourself the way you would treat others. Anyone see a problem with the, phrase, the word phraseology of that? What is, what is it typically? This is very intentional, ladies and gentlemen, because I would argue we treat ourselves much, much worse than we treat other people. We say things to ourselves about ourselves that we would never consider saying to someone else out loud. Would you agree? Uh And I would make the hypothesis or suggest that if we start to simply see ourselves as another human being and we give ourselves the grace and the break that we give so many other people. Now we still might be ticked off at them inside, but we don't say it out loud to them, right? We don't accuse them. We, we don't, don't keep that. If we give ourselves a break in the, the way, way that we give other people a break, we actually might start changing the way we relate to ourselves. This is a big one. Mark 12:31. Love your neighbor as yourself. I actually did a study on that verse because I was really curious about it. Love your neighbor. It doesn't say love your neighbor instead of yourself. It doesn't say love your neighbor um, and ignore yourself. It, it has an assumption that you actually first. Isn't that amazing? Mark 12, 31. Mark 12, uh, 31. But that's been, That infinity. That draw towards our own selves selves. selves, and just appreciating ourselves and valuing ourselves and trusting ourselves and seeing ourselves as something that's been created by an infinitely perfect lost. And that stinks. That's why we're gonna be talking about how to value yourself next week. It's that important. That relationship is uber important. And I would actually make a suggestion that um, if you can't do this, you can't actually love other people really, really well. Because think about it this way, two people walk in the door right there. One of them, I go up to them and say, man, it's so nice to see you. We're glad you're here. It, you know, the, the night wouldn't be the same without you. And the other person, I go, really? That's what you wore? My gosh. And I watched you screw up, you know, earlier today. And you got to tell you, that was just unbelievably atrocious. I I can't even believe you're going to show yourself in this room right here, right now. What kind of person would I be if I did that out loud to two people walking in the door? Would you say I love people well? Not so much. And yet, we do that all the time because we watch one person walk in the door. Glad you're here. Oh man, I can't believe what I did earlier today. (sighs) Be congruent. If you're going to treat one person nice, treat yourself nice. Treat yourself the way you would treat others. What do you think? Ten rules. You think those might work out? think they might have some bearing on life and change anything at all? I think they're not too bad. So, questions or comments about any of those ten before we jump in and move on to family stuff. We're going to talk about relationships with family. All that good stuff. Jimmy. Did you say you had those posted on, your, on Paul Elmore? PaulElmore.com slash refuge. Slash refuge. Slash refuge. That's the piece, okay? So if you go in there, there's a poster that looks like, see if it actually comes up here. Woo, look at that. That's what it looks like. So you can just download those tin rules in your refrigerator, okay? Um, slash refuge, okay? That's it, please. Like, I have a friend who's really negative, and now she's, like, even mad at me now. Like, I just quit being around so much. Right. And so now she's mad because I'm not
3: around as much, but it's like, I just can't handle the, the negativity all the
0: time. Right.
1: But I didn't say, dude, you're so negative that I'm not going to be around anymore.
0: Right. you called her, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And now we know the root of the problem because how you do things is just as important as what you do. Um, sometimes um, you might have heard of me in the past. Done here. One of the guys that I just continue to admire, and you're going to probably going to lose all credibility with you. I really like Simon Cowell. Okay, being Cowlesque sometimes um, is just refreshing for the soul. And sometimes they'll get you punched in the face. So, if someone asks you directly, why are you hanging out? I think that it is appropriate to, again, say, here the feelings I'm getting after spending time with you. And I, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm also just going to handle this information. kindly. Now, you can convey that inappropriately or hurtfully as well, you'll still get punched in the face. So um, I believe it just is a lot easier in life to tell the truth. Now, some people believe they have the gift of confrontation. And I'm not so sure that I have found that in scripture anywhere. I'm just not so sure that that works. That's not what we're talking about. You don't get to be the, the harbinger of all information that is bad. Um, so you change your behavior first, but if you're asked directly, again, gently, the whole point is to win. We're talking about Matthew here again. If someone is offending you or hurting you, you are supposed to go to them and say, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. Not to piss them off. Okay. Any other questions? Wonderful. What is it 809? I Can't believe it. We have one little- more to get through some of this stuff. Oh, I, I, had a, I had a question. Did I'm I, sorry, that gone past Now you, no, you cannot ask any. Go for it. No, the way, the
3: way you It almost seems like it, it would be like, hey, you're doing something wrong. It'd be,
0: it seems like you could come out at, at a different angle. You know, you like, could, you can address this Do you day see day. where I'm going with that? Or? Good rule of thumb on that is um, I actually believe there is behavior that is wrong and it is appropriate to point that out. Safer approach, though, is to say, what you are doing hurts me in this way. You talk about yourself, less about them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You're always safer about that. So, so that little spin, that little adjustment, mm-hmm. um, again, makes it easier than you just being the accuser all the time. Now. That feel thing I mentioned last week. The I what? talk
3: negatively all the time that I feel
0: bad. Yes. See, see? that's exactly right. You know, I feel like I'd be happier if you talked about positive things. Yeah. I, mean, I think you would do, or I don't know. Yeah. yeah. She did probably. That, again, and when you talk about their behavior, it's a little bit safer, okay? Oh, man, okay, I shouldn't have ask asked questions. Okay, two more and then that. that's it, you can't ask Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I'll change just because of you, Yeah. Like like maybe on your side, people would agree to what they're doing is appropriate. That one again. People can do that. Absolutely, it's hard to maintain that. It's hard to to keep that snow job going long. Always make make decisions based upon their actions, not just their words. And again, people can adjust their actions short for a short period of time, but not long. Yes.
1: I was just thinking in response to that, though, when we talk about people. doing things that are self-destructive yes. to others who are destructive for themselves. Yes. I would think that would be an instance of what you might classify as bad behavior. When you're doing something that either directly hurts another person or others see as a d- direct self-destructive act against yourself, like you know, cutting yourself, yeah. or things that are physically destroying yourself or your lives, yeah. um, you know, when those types of things are going on, I would think that as being bad yeah. behavior and something you want to
0: address. Yeah. If somebody you love, even if it is difficult. Good point. Very, very good point. All right. If you want those things, go to polymer.com/refuge, and you'll find them. Let's turn that off and that off and see what happens. Um, and we're going to hit blank. Cool. Please, ladies and gentlemen, families. How many of you have a family? Yes.
3: <laughs>
0: How many of you? <laughs> he said that, not me, okay? Not me. Uh, I don't need your hands here. We're just going to assume um, that no one comes from a perfect family. Everyone recognizes that there are um, that are incredibly difficult and that our families are the source of many of those problems. That's why I think uh, uh, families can actually be become one of the hardest relationships in our lives. Um, we don't actually get to choose them you don't you're born saying that one that's a good one you're stuck like Chuck you just get whatever whatever you get put into, and you have to endure it and again that's that stinks now what's nice about what's nice about spouses is you get a do one that you want there, and if they don't work out if they don't for the the ten rules here um, you can choose early on to say, you know what, I'm actually going to move on and, you know, find better people who, who fill me up, who who encourage me in certain ways. So, um, families shape us during our formative years. Again, we can be as 25-year-olds. Right? Because we have more power, we have more options, but when we are, we little ones, and they are shaped When they are shaping when we think, when they are impacting our of our human existence, um the family's health, your parents' health, will determine, you know, how prepared you are when you are twenty-five. Um they shape our paradigm of life. That's kind of um what I just said. said and then finally Families know us best. They know little secrets, for the most part. And because they know that, they can hurt us the deepest. Would you agree? And that, unfortunately, they pull out the big guns, and they can cut us, and they can say things that, that leave scars for forever. It's the um it's the high school girl who's struggling with a and, and after a couple of years, years of handling this on her own, finally gets the courage to tell mom and dad. And dad's response is on a family vacation shortly after she disclosed this, gets incredibly frustrated with her and just says. You know, through gritted teeth teeth and strong venomous tones, that nonverbal language says you just get it taken care of. She learned very quickly. Right there, I know my dad stands on this, and I'm still alone. Family can cut us and beat us with some of those things, and so that's why family can become some of the hardest relationships to navigate through. Now. Parents and family, very intentionally, because when it comes to relationships, we don't actually have a relationship with ourselves first. Did you know that we are completely unaware that we exist when we are like we little infants. We have we have no idea what we are doing. This is the first relationship that we ever have, and so that relationship becomes incredibly formative, incredibly important. So we got to start there. And then after that, as we grow up, we start to have a relationship with ourselves around age two. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then romantic. Then, and then, you know, there All this series. Um, what I'm going to attempt to do tonight, some people might actually question if I can actually do it. Because... I'm actually going to try to define what a normal family looks like. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> That's a hard one. What is a normal family? What does a normal family look like? Here's my definition of normal. All right. Um, when something operates based upon the way that it was constructed or built, I would suggest that that is operating within normal parameters. Is that a fair or agreed upon definition of what normal would be. Mm -hmm. So, if your car, you can drive your car at 80 miles an hour in second gear, you can do it. You can do it for about 20 minutes and then you get to rebuild your engine and transmission. Right? You're not operating within normal parameters. And so if someone comes up and says, I'm sorry, that doesn't seem to be normal, what you are doing here, they would be fair to say that. I think there are some easily distinguishable markers that you get when you were growing up. And I want you to understand what you could have or should have growing up. today, Because that shapes how we have relationships. That shapes how we have relationships with our families. Alrighty, righty? So let's see what we can do here. I, if technology works out the way it works. Hold on a second. Let's hit all the magic buttons here and see if we can make this happen. Come on. Because I want to play it out. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. All right, hold on a second. Perfect. Some of this technology stuff is really cool, and sometimes it makes you want to throw your iPad out the window. There it goes. Now we're cooking. All right. So come down to here. We do this. We hit this button. That lights up. We hit this here. Boink.
1: <laughs> and then the boink. Set-
0: There it goes. See? It isn't just me. So what this is going to let me do is going to say, hi, everybody. See? How cool is that? Oh, man. One more back. Oh. Three big problems when it comes to families, when it comes to relationships. Um, I'm going to suggest, number one is, uh, as kids, we didn't get what we needed. There were some important milestones, some important steps, some important... That'll be fun. Um, Watch this, we're going to click that button and that'll stop doing that. Alright, there's some important milestones that if you don't get them, it's going to shape your entire paradigm in life. And so I want you to know what those important steps are, and it will help you understand yourself, so that you can say, oh. this That might have been because of this one stage right here learn yourself a little bit better all right Uh, the second thing so uh is that (sighs) when children grow up to become adults they still relate to their parents as children does that make sense we're going to go into that, but this is a really, really important one. When people grow up and become adults, they still operate under the same rules, under the same beliefs, under the same, same dynamics, dynamics with their parents as they did as if they were children. And that is severely tainting mm-hmm. and um, disruptive to to most relationships. Yes. And then finally, there, there are family rules. There are family um, that get transmitted your parents to you. And a rules end up becoming highly disruptive. They can become um, toxic and kind of um, bleed through and ruin some of your experiences. So, what is the primary job? This one, okay? Primary job. And let's write some of these down to teach okay what else nurture provide. provide what love, love. Protect. Protect. protect defend these are good model, model. discipline Courage. What is it over here? Listen. 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 That's a good one. Work themselves job. The bow tie principle and here's what it looks like okay right here um, right and if we draw a line up here this is your parents and if we call this control can you see that? meaning when you're born you have zero control would that be fair to say you can't get around you can't get food you can't put a roof over your had anything like it. You have zero control. And your parents have how much? All of it. I'm going to suggest that you have a very very limited time if your parents, or your parents if you don't have kids, they have a very limited time because as time goes on it's supposed to look like this. So when you hit about, let's say 18 years old, right, you have all the power and where's the parents power? Zero, Zero. Really? I heard someone say it's the same. Why would it be the same? Why would they have... A oh, over the kid's life? Yes. Oh, I just meant they had their own control. Like control. That, but over the kid's life, they, have, they uh, ideally, in a perfect world, supposed to look like this nice little thing. Now I call it the bow tie principle. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? There are important ones... So as you go from zero all the way up here to um, 18 years old, there are different markers along the way. I want you to see what some of those are because they are really, really important to shaping how you kind of view the world and how it, how it plays out here. Um, let's try this real fast. And Oops, don't turn that on. I want to adjust the sound here real fast. Hold on a second. Babies this young are extremely responsive to the
3: emotions and the reactivity and the social interaction that they get from the world around them. This is something that we started studying. And the still face experiment, what the mother did, was she sits down and she's playing with her baby who's about a year of age. And she gives a greeting to the baby. The baby gives a greeting back to her. This baby starts pointing at different places in the world. And the mother's trying to engage her and play with her. They were working to coordinate their emotions,
0: How many of your hearts are broken? Everybody breathe, baby's okay, the baby's all right. A lot of people think, no, children have to be abused, they have to be neglected, they have to have all this kind of negative intentionality on it, you know, and so it is being actively abused. And the reality is, from kind of birth to old, the purpose, the sole purpose of a baby's life is to simply explore tr- um, to ex- exist to it. but they need that interaction. They need that reflection. They need that, that bouncing off of mom or dad to solidify, solidify some of that. Again. That's two minutes. Can you imagine what it's like for children whose parents are clinically depressed. Who are... We could pick a whole bunch of other diagnoses here. And they just they don't get what they need. They just never, ever receive that, that interaction. So the... again. See if we're going to connect up again. Or else. All right. Let's do one more time. Oops. Come on. Quit that. Let's turn it on one more time. <laughs> it's, an apple. it's an apple. That's right. All right. So let's try this again. So, at kind of this two year mark, if we have two years, two years, important things. They need to have interaction, and they need to have reflection, and they need to have response. Two year old who doesn't those two years, um, what do you think they look like, like at two years old? Give me just an idea. Frustrated. F- frustrated, that would be an emotional um, thing. How about behavior wise? What do you mean inverted? inverted? That's an interesting word. Yeah. Introvert. Introverted. Okay? Yeah. 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 Fetal position, absolutely. Kind of non-responsive. Um, things called. It's kind of, you have six months. Some in there. Somewhere in there. Paradigm of how you interact with the world. A critical period of time, and so parents who are healthy um, are able to pass it on to the kids. And again, parents who are in an emotional distressed kind of place. Um, make it just harder naturally for a, a child to thrive in that area. So, two, two years is really, really important. We go up to the next stage, which is um, kind of two and three, between two between and three, three. I'm make this just a little bit smaller. So, between two and three, let's make a three here, um, is actually to start becoming an individual. This is where you get them saying what word? A lot. No. No. There you go. Actually, a thing. How many of you have in that line? Okay. You want your kids to say no. You want your kids to become individuals. You want your kids to have their own thoughts and feelings. And so when they say, you know, yes, this, they're, they're making and you actually want to encourage that appropriately. Again, you don't want the kids and let them be spoiled, but you kind of guide and direct that. So you want them to be thinking, you want them to start saying no, and it's um, the parents' job to encourage that exploration. Instead of saying, man, this is frustrating, I ought to keep it's chasing you stinking, believe it, what in the world, oh, good grief, and so you spank the it kid. pen today. It, it reduces. The- that it has, right? How about a kid who needs at that stage? What are they going to at Behavior-wise, what might they? Okay, self-identity. Yeah. Later, we're going to get that in a second. But compliant. woo, Who said that? Yes, very good. They actually just, um, they don't engage much. They're kind of lethargic and all those things. So people don't have a, again, this isn't broad strokes, but um, you kind of lose your drive to even wonder, to question, to be inquisitive. Three years old. It's that important. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone know who Richard Branson is? Yeah. Uh, British billionaire owns Virgin Airlines and Virgin Records and Virgin everything else. I read his uh, autobiography. Um, at okay. His parents have been arrested for this, but at four years old, his parents dropped him off a mile from his house. Taught him self-reliance, taught him resiliency. And that was kind of their whole, that was their whole approach to the world. His dad, um, I think when he was probably six or seven or something like that, said, you know, if you can learn how to swim by the end of the summer, I'll give you 10 pounds or whatever it was. And so the last day of the summer, they're driving home from wherever it was, and there was a, a river or a creek or something. And he says, Hey, stop the car, because he wanted the 10 pounds. He has a lot more than that now, but he wanted the money, so he gets out, strips down, and jumps in the river, and he starts, you know, just making his way across the river as fast as he can, and, you know, goes under a couple times, but pulls himself back up and makes it to the other side, turns around, swims back, and, you know, goes back up to the car, and, you know, says, hey, I did it, I swam, you know, where's my ten bucks? And at that point, he realized that his dad was also soaking wet. Why? Why? when he went under, so he provided a, it wasn't dangerous, he let let his son struggle, what a wonderful gift, and because of that, he's not afraid of risk taking, he, he, so, millionaires, let him walk home, that's the rule. (laughs) No, don't do um, that. There was, there was just a recent article about a mom in New York who let her you know, like eight-year-old, child, like eight-year-old son take the subway across right. alone, right. and people were outraged. So yeah. I mean, there was this whole controversy, of, and her particular thinking was along the lines of Richard Branson's dad. Yeah. He's, he's got to learn to take the subway. Very clearly right now, ladies and gentlemen, because this is being recorded, so I'm going to... Write. Um, I am not encouraging that behavior with children. That you need to provide safety, security for them. And children handle large amounts of power. They don't have the ability, cognitive ability. They don't have the life ability. Actually, somewhat. Richard Brandt that was a different world, different paradigms, all sorts of things. I do believe that you should give your kids. Experiences to build that. As long as you are nearby, to a woman halfway across town can't really protect him. A son who's on the subway and dad back of the train and has an eye on him. Safe, but letting him make the choices and you know seeing if he can navigate. Well done, thumbs up. Okay. There's actually a tri- I've heard of a tribe that they actually do that where it's a kind of ride. Right- um, adulthood, and they send them out into the, the kids out into the forest. But there's always one guy hiding behind a tree watching them all night because they just want to make sure that they don't get eaten by whatever is out there, and so they do that. Um, five let's put five years old in here, okay? Five years old. Um, this is the stage. This is where kids are supposed to learn their own thoughts and feelings this This is a critical stage this is where you start a kid starts to develop tastes Um, when I was about five years old between four and five with my whole heart that I hated and I knew that because every time I had some I would throw up it was a very definitive line and my mom and dad um, tried to sneak beans into everything I ate. They'd puree them, they put them in casseroles, and I would literally take one bite and I go, there's beans yucky, okay? And after they did and they realized we can't get anything past this kid. it's a legitimate dislike aversion towards beans. We will never make him eat beans. A wonderful gift that my parents gave me. It's one of those very nice ones that they did. They trusted my own feelings on that and they didn't force me to do that. And by, because of that, just to make sure, I, I did, and I know that. So nobody, the parent's job is to trust that, and again, give lots of experiences so a, a child can learn what they like and don't like. Without doing that, if you don't do that, then a child gain their own sense of um, knowledge about. I have three clients now. I'm going to use, write the word wall here. I have three clients right now. A deep, deep red, like a brick burgundy red color. It's the entire one wall in my office. I have three clients right now that that wall is white. And they will look at that and they'll go, um okay, and they are just unaware, they are unable to definitively say, no, that wall is red. Because when they were in this time period, I won't tell you the stories, but when they objected to their parents' statements, whatever, the consequences were severe. Can you imagine, as an adult, the wall is red or not? Can you imagine not being able to trust yourself to that level? Can you imagine the how lost you might feel in the world because you just can't definitively define and say this is you're lost. Incredibly critical. The three to five stage thoughts and feelings. For those who like trusting themselves, you might want to go back and look at that chunk of time. Let's see what happens. What was going on in that? All right, from 12 or so, let's make this 12 here. Um, that's the world of structure. This is what, okay, by now they kind of know what they like, they know what they prefer, they know what they think. Um, and now it's, it's about just getting a volume, um, and trying sorts of things. Really bummed. I actually of this big sitting on that, and on the front of the TV is a nice big scratch right down the glass. Because when I was about ten, I came home from school one day, went out to my dad's um, workshop. And we just bored, and or the internet, and um, found. And the curious question in my I head was, can a razor blade cut glass? Can anyone answer that question? Okay. So very clearly remember it. I went and I took it um, over to uh, a pane of glass, right next to the edge, so that you know, know no one could see it if it went down. Nope. Doesn't cut glass. Apparently it doesn't. Let's try one more time. Okay. little hypothesis working here. Um, I'm going to do that again. Um, They had those um, McDonald's character cups. You know, I think it was maybe Scooby-Doo or something like that. I picked that up. Nope. Doesn't cut that. I guess a razor blade doesn't cut glass. So I went over to my dad's television that's in his workshop that he watches when he's working out. Big old scratch. I can remember going... Rub it out, that doesn't work, okay, three days, because I know I can very quickly put the razor blade away, turn off the the door, three Three days, dad would go out, after dinner, and he went out, I can remember, turning on, turning on the TV, turning off the TV, turning on the TV, turning it off. And then that "Paul. Oh. And he had to come clean. OK? I now have the television at my It sits in my office. <laughs> as a reminder for when my kids try things. <laughs> Stinks, by the way. Um, all about this stage. Okay. Trying and failing—that's what it's all about. This is when kids ride skateboards and you know crash into things, and they're mixing all sorts of cool science experiments in class and all those things. So if we had to try it, you know, it's going to be experiment, and parents get to accept. They get to. They get to say, "Man, that didn't work out." Razor blades cut. Okay, do they cut metal? They cut. I can't remember what rule number four. Uh, what is it, uh, cut. Cut. Yeah. I also. I um was in bedroom bathroom. It was a. Sh- just a stall shower, and had just about a lip, you know, about that, that high glass blinding door. And I stuffed a washcloth down the drain and I watched it fill up like a bathtub. It was cool, but it also overflowed and ruined the carpet in the bathroom. Guess who paid for the carpet? Okay, so my I get to experience the consequences of that, and that's what I never did again, or at least over the edge. So it's, um. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What have you learned how to do in our house? I learned how to fix the wall. That's right. <laughs> Stand up. Why? through the wall. (laughs) I
2: kicked a hole through the wall. I felt really bad about it afterwards
0: and when mom and dad came home I learned how to fix a wall. (laughs) Yeah. She hire her for some drywall work. She's got the skill set now, okay? (laughs) We learned how to patch it. So so what do you mean by accept? Um, failures. Kids are gonna screw up. Kids are gonna make mistakes. They also need to know that when they make a mistake that the mistake. Them. It's a behavior, but it's not their value. They are more than what they do. So when you can look at a kid and go, "Man, that was, that was a mistake," and I sure love you so much because you did that. That that encourages their value to say you are still a worthy human that again. again, don't keep all still truly love... And accept it. Yeah. Dude. That would be the shame the uh, shameless series we talked about last year, remember? Maybe how it all ties in together. Mm-hmm. Kinda cool, huh? Um so what you me the to tie. Eight forty five. All right, I knew I wasn't gonna get through all this. There's, yeah. We're gonna do it. We're going to do it. Ah, Let's get to here. How many of you have seen the movie Martian Child? Hold on a second. You gotta put this camera away for a little while. Okay? But I haven't finished my mission. What well, you have for today? He's a foster dad. I haven't finished my mission. Thinking about adopting him. That's Uh-oh. <laughs>
1: <Hello>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> profound movie. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to watch a good movie this week, go go find Martian Child. Um, profound movie. This child who is um, deeply, deeply wounded. Um that really good stage where what you do is not who you are. One of my favorites. Really, really good movie. Um, Really fast. Stage would be um, 12 to 19, and that is where you start to create your own duality and separation. That is where it is appropriate for you to no longer... Be your parents' child anymore. That's where you create your own values. You start to entertain your own values. You start to um, grow and develop them. You start to have your own ideas. And healthy parents are the ones who allow you to experiment, again, with your own values and to still accept you and to grow in that. if you want to have a lot more details on, on um, all of these different stages, there's a got a lot of this stuff from a really, really good, good book called Growing Up Again um, Clark Burke. with an E, Clarky, and uh, Dawson. Clark and Dawson, Growing Up Again. we could spend an entire eight weeks talking about this stuff because I'm to understand how you are structured, how you are the formative years of your life all of these things are, are really, really really important So, Jimmy and then at this age is it still what age would that be? 50 um, absolutely 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 the actual final stage is more like in your early 20s? Because I can remember around I was in college I was nice home. Oh. Great. Adolescence is a fluent term right now and it's migrating anywhere between um, 26 years old and you're still an adolescent. How's that? How's that? yikes Um, I have the two more two more things that I want to cover but I'm going to wait till next week and again apparently we're going to play catch up all eight weeks here so we're going to kind of wrap up the last two parts of the parenting stuff that is um, when you relate as an adult relating to your adult parents let me say this right again, okay? As an ad- when you were an adult, relating to your parents still as a, adult, that's a major dis- patterns or, or dynamics that get in the way of relationships with your family. And then the third one is that, that, that family rules thing. Um, but I wanted to do something just a little unique tonight in the last few minutes um, of our time together. Mm-hmm. And Instead of me trying to talk to you about what kids in this stage might need, um, she said she'd be willing to talk to us a little bit about what that's like. And so I'm going to risk this. Okay, there's some people I'm not not going to call on if you have questions. Just do that right now. Um, If you had questions for my daughter um, about about parenting stuff and maybe what that looks like between her and I, those questions, and I might be at, willing to answer some of those questions as well. First question, I'm going to ask. By the way, okay. Whoa, she is 17 years old. She's going to be a senior in high school. Um, and come away from the corner so people can see you there. Um, between you and I, kiddo, what is? Um, All of these other parents or or have parents we want them to kind of know about what's important to you as a as a teenager. Does that, does that happen every time, you know, right in the middle of when we're mad at each other? No.
2: So being able to hear each other, like being able to hear that he can't you know, work through this right now um, is also really important. You know, Being able to tell um, that I need time to kind of cool down and be able to talk about this
0: without you know, yelling again, that's another really important thing. Yeah. I want my daughter to know that the relationship is always the most primary. Whatever issue it is, is always secondary. I want her and my relationship to be as strong as possible, and I am willing to admit it when she's wrong, okay? Don't worry, I tell you so. Um That's a humbling thing, because there are times when I have screwed up and screwed up bad. And fortunately, we don't have time to talk about all of those experiences. <laughs> Um But I would rather I would rather look bad and still have my daughter's heart than be right for 20 minutes or an afternoon. Um, and by no means is this relationship the model. Please don't model it off of this. Um, but it happens to be the only daughter I have that I can pull up in front of you and have this conversation. i got three boys and you can't talk to them at all. So, um, Would any of you have any questions for my daughter about being a teenager? Yeah. As long as? As long as I check in with mom and dad. And? As a right? <laughs> and responsibilities? Oh, and
2: get chores done. Dishes. I have to do the dishes before I came here tonight. So,
0: That's right. Yeah. She's available if you want to hire her. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: um, yeah, what other things do you have control over? Um, do we go rifling through your room? At least you don't know about it. They'll come in and check on my
2: room or something, like they'll come in and talk with me in the room. your room's kinda of messy, you need to get it picked up and stuff, but they won't go and you know search through my room,
0: find my diary and all that. And so uh um, homework? Yeah.
2: Like, dance or something. I'll go so, to him and see if
0: this, you know, appropriate for where I'm going to. Tattoos? So, and don't have any of those. Um I talked about that, but uh, um, you know, I think if i talked to him about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who asked that question? Cuz I got some words. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh. There was a question back here, yeah.
3: So what do your parents worry about or that that you think they worry that they don't need to worry about? Um, that sense? Yeah, um, I'm not entirely
0: sure. I don't know. Like. I might be able to answer that question a little bit better. Yeah. Um. My daughter... My daughter is dating, okay? She currently isn't in a relationship, and I'm totally okay with that right now, but she has been in a couple. Um, and my daughter's heart is incredibly valuable to me, and it is actually a job that I take very, very seriously. It's not something that I do passively. I was actually going to bring it tonight, and I forgot it. Here, um, in our house, we have... It's okay. good bat baseball bat length, it's about that thick, it's an old tree limb that was in a zigzag. long time, um, when she was about 12 years old, her and I went up to the sticks and collected them um, <clears throat> until so we found the right, right stick. Found this limb, cut it down to size, took it home, dried it out, I actually sealed it, drilled a hole in it, put a rope in it all right by our front door and her brothers know that's her stick it's not theirs they don't get to play with it it's not a toy because when she was about this high I knew I was going to have a problem because she is a beautiful kind attractive young woman and I knew that I'm going to have a lot of boys knocking on my front door I told her from she was about this high that I'm going to get so many boys coming to visit I'm going to have to beat them off with a stick and so I have this the stick now, and it, and it literally hangs in our house because I'm not going to let just any boy come along and, and take something, something that is so valuable and precious to me and just not understand the value of it. Now, the thing is, I understand as a parent, it's a limited time gig, and that I only get to do that for so long, and actually... When she her down the aisle, guess what's going to walk down with us? Because when I get down there, that stick is no longer my responsibility. And I now pass that responsibility on to her new husband. Protect her and guard her heart. Then I will walk down the aisle carrying a stick using the stick maybe. My daughter, to her credit, my daughter makes incredibly wise choices. Not perfect choices. Um, I don't have a lot of common fears that I think a lot of other parents might have. Um, she is very responsible. Um, she communicates well. I she doesn't hide much from her and we usually dialogue about pretty much every discussion or any decision that has to be made so that she's just not obeying us because we say so when we're the parents. We have to be able to defend our actions and our our, our responses. Um, one last story real quick. I know it's 9.04 and then I'll let you guys go to honor your time unless you want to ask her more questions. Um, when um, our family was eating dinner one night, and we were having having dessert, and we brought out something unbelievably chocolatey and delicious, and it was great. And my daughter just doesn't happen to like chocolate as much as I do, and so she says, thank so you, but not the dessert up. Later that night, as a family, we get to you know, pick up some supplies and some all those things, and while we're at the checkout stand, my, my- daughter comes buy a slushie or whatever they have there and I look at her and I, so, and I go, no you're not, you're not going to go buy a slushie and she says, I haven't had dessert. why not, I haven't had dessert and at that point I had to stop and I had to say, wait a second, why can't she, because she didn't have dessert, she's buying it with her own money, can't. she has her own money. To stop and say, "Why don't I want her to go buy one?" Oh, the reason I don't want her to go buy one is because I don't want to have to listen to the boys whine and complain about how come they don't get one. And you, you know, know what? That's, that's not her battle to fight. That's my battle, and I, I will, I will take that on because it's a pretty legitimate, understandable decision to make. And so it's like, kiddo, go ahead. Lost. Okay. I, I, I lost. lost that that battle discussion, or, or I. Pretty good convincing argument back, right and she's one which is makes me both proud and confused all at the same time. because I, I, I have to explain I have to be able to have rational comprehensive rules comprehendable rules, right that's, that's something I'm glad to, to do. Again, I, I recognize it's 906. I'd like to pray real fast for those who would like to leave. You're welcome to leave, for those who want to ask for questions, or I'm glad to do that for a few more minutes. Let me pray for us real quickly if I can. You are a good God, and you are our heavenly Father. And the way that I can love my daughter, even though I desperately want to do that with all of my heart, is still frail and pale in comparison to how you love us because you are perfect and because you are all-knowing and because your love is infinite and deep and strong. I ask and I pray that each person when they walk out of here tonight and they pick up their burdens again at the door will be able to feel you carry that with them and that they will know in some way, tangible, practical, hands-on, down and dirty way, that you love them, and that they can experience you in a new and fresh way tonight. Thank you for being such an amazing, good God to us, and in your name. Amen.
2: Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit paulelmore.com.